It's a real fire. It's great. It's so romantic, isn't it? You sit there, crackle fire, beautiful. And I'm just sat there and just thinking, this fire looks amazing. And it's great when it's lit. But the trouble is, a fire takes maintenance. See, I go to my cupboard in my house and press the button and the, the gas comes on, the heating rises up set the timer, and my radio is the perfectly set, so morning, noon, and night, I don't have to worry about the timing or anything, it's just always perfect my Always perfect temperature, wonderful, but with the fire, it's not as simple. You have to first prepare the fire, then you have to put some wood on, some scrunched up bits of paper, then you have to light it, then you have to put some coal on, and you can't just ignore it, you have to keep on watching it because the fire burns down. You have to keep putting more coal on and more wood on to keep the fire burning. And once the fire's burned down, you have to clean the grate out and reset it. It's blooming hard work. It's nice on the holiday, isn't it, when you go there for a week or two, but do it every single day, week in, week out, it's quite a burden. And sometimes, they're not always easy to light. Sometimes you have to work really hard and get them to catch fire. And our spiritual lives are like that. It's not easy to burn for Jesus. It's not easy to keep on fire for God. Because there's things in our lives that will come upon us to cool us down, to douse the flame, and to put us off. But God today wants us to be people who are on fire for him. With a passion in our lives for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so often we become lukewarm and the embers in our hearts begin to die down to the flame that once burst in our hearts has grown dim. I want to say at the very start this year, we need to get on fire for God. Not get on fire for church or programs, but get on fire with a passion and a love for Jesus Christ. Because he alone satisfies our lives. And if you're not on fire for God today, then something's wrong. The thing is, you need to attend the fire of your heart. If you just leave it, if you don't feed it, if you don't fan the flame into life, it will slowly grow dim. As Christians, we need to be on fire. I mentioned last week, 1 Corinthians 14, 26, that whenever you 
church, each one of you has a gift to bring. Each one of you has a tongue or a prophecy or interpretation or word of revelation. Each one of us today should be carrying the gift of God inside our heart and be ready to bring it on the Sunday morning. I said last week, sometimes we get into a consumer mentality. We come to church for what we can get out of it. God, will you bless me this morning, please? Sometimes we come on the Sunday morning and we say, God, would you just, would you just meet my needs? And God is concerned about meeting our needs. Today, I want to say that if we are right, we'll have something not just to consume, but to give. What have you brought today to give? What have you brought today to share? And I want us to be a people who are so on fire for God that the fire is going to burst out and touch the lives of those around us. See, I recognize today, my friends, that we are dependent on the Holy Spirit. We can't do this stuff without Him. We wouldn't want to do it without Him, would we? We are here and we are dependent to function upon the unction of the Holy Spirit. When was the last time you were filled with the fire of God? See, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down and people are filled with the fire of the presence of God. And we want to make that a one-off experience, but I believe that is a continual reality in our lives, that each one of us is called to live in the overflow and the abundance of our Holy Spirit-filled life. Otherwise, Filled with fire daily, we start to become cold, distant, lukewarm. Who wants to be lukewarm? No one wants to be lukewarm. We have to let the fire of God burn in. Got your Bibles, want you to turn with me to 2 Timothy and also 1 Timothy. There's two, three verses we'll look at over the next sort of 20 minutes or so. See, we need the Holy Spirit to revive in our lives. I just want to look at let the Spirit of God arrive. So, so often we can just put the Holy Spirit to one side. We're so concerned by our programs, our procedures, or our policies, we neglect the Holy Spirit. And the church is a Spirit-led, dynamic body. That we are called led by the Spirit. So we're going to look at some passages in 2 Timothy and 1 Timothy. The 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. says this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6, 7, and 8. Paul says to Timothy, I, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hand. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, that's a bit of power, of love, of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about the Lord. God did not give us a spirit of timidity. He gave us a spirit of love, of power, and of a sound mind. And Paul says to me, I urge you to fan into flame the gift inside you. That thing that's in burning in your heart, it needs to blaze into a raging fire. Days of embers are over. Days of fire are here. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 to 16. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12 to 16. Paul says to Timothy, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, 
but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given through prophecy when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone will see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Then back over to 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you, so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. So by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Three times in the pastoral epistles, when Paul writes to Timothy, he reminds him of the prophecies that God had spoken over his life. And it's important today to remind ourselves of what God said over us as individuals, as families, as a church, as a nation. Who's got any prophecies over their lives? Who's got any promises over their lives? See, God has spoken to us many, many times. God has given us many promises, but it's time to remind ourselves of the promises of God. See, every word that God speaks isn't just for our entertainment. It's formative in our character and formative in our calling. But the word he speaks isn't just to entertain us, it's to make us the men and women that God wants us to be. When God speaks to you, it's to make you into the person. So why did Paul have to remind Timothy three times about this great prophecy that he received? Because it's probably like me and you, we are forgetful, aren't we? We can forget the great things that God has done for us, forget the great things that God has says to us, said to us, and so easily we just put it to one side. But Timothy was a young man. The Bible says that not look, let anyone look down you because you're young. And most commentators and historians say that Timothy was about 30 years old when he became bishop of A 30-year-old man leading one of the biggest churches in Asia Minor. Also, he had a responsibility for the other church in Asia Minor. So he had this amazing responsibility, and I don't think he was very secure or confident in that role. <laughs> it seemed to be timid. Timothy the timid. <laughs> Who ever feels a bit timid? Next slide. Sometimes, God's called us to greatness, and we're so fearful what people say about us. We're so concerned about what people think about us, we don't step up to the plate. Paul says, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. So often we live our lives, my friends, according to what people say about us, what people think about us. I remember when I was at school, I got a school report, half believe, but the teacher said that Adrian will never achieve anything decent in his life with focus. I was easily distracted as a young person. I took 15 O-levels and failed them all. 
See, the thing is, we can make mistakes. When we give our life to Jesus, he, he revolutionizes our heart. We become different people because of his present work in our life. Timothy was timid. See, people's opinions of you and me do matter to a certain extent. What really matters is what God thinks. knows all your failures, all your faults, all your flaws, and still choose them. So when he starts to use you for his glory, doesn't get any surprises. There's no shock, nothing hidden about your life before God. He knows everything about you. There is an outward pressure to conform this world. And we can feel a sense of shame, a sense of failure. But God wants to lift us out of that failure, out of that sense of shame, into the fullness that we have. See, when we're timid, we want to hide away. We want to take the back seat. We we have a sense of shame, a sense of guilt, a sense of unworthiness. But Christ wants to clothe us with that. That what we do today is not because of our goodness, And that listens. See, the word community means shrinking and drawing back to something to which God has truly called us. It's the refusal. It may be under the pretext of humility, couldn't take a task, responsibility that God has clearly given us. So if you say you're living with a sense of timidity, sense of fear, it's time to shake off the dust. Our next slide. Shake off the dust of your feet. It's time to, Paul says, do not be ashamed. Do not be fearful. Do not be timid. But let the giant inside you fight. The Bible says that greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. We are indwelled by the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. We are more than conquerors in Christ. He sits above every principality and power in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are victorious. We live under the shadow of guilt and shame that Christ has paid for on the cross that we may be set free to serve him in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's time to shake off the dust. God wants to lift us out of self-pity, out of shyness, out of timidity, and use us in a place of confidence. I don't know about the Latin, but I think the word confidence means with faith. We're called to live in faith. Trust God. See, God always specializes in using nobody. God specializes in using people that have got nothing about themselves, broken humanity, broken life. Oswald Chambers, the famous devotional commentator, says this. God can achieve his purpose either through the absence of human power and resources or through the the abandonment of reliance on them. God can achieve his purpose through the absence of human power 
or the abandonment of human power. All throughout human history, God has chosen nobodies who either recognized the nobodies or who became nobodies that God could make them into something. And what we need to make us somebody not human effort, human ability to spend the power of the Spirit in our lives. If we were born, my friends, much more than where we are now. We're born for greater things. We're born for greatness. And we need to allow the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn our heart. Someone once said, if you get on fire for God, men will seek to burn. Are you burning today? Are you passionate today? See, we were born for so much more than this. A ship is safe in the harbour. A ship is safe and it's anchored in the harbour. But a ship was never meant to live and stay in the harbour. The ship was meant for the high sea. And as Christians, we are not meant just to live in a place of safety and comfort. We're called to live in a place of expressing the gifts and the total. There's times, my friends, we need to find safe harbour. There are storms raging around and there's times we do come in for repairs, come into a place of healing and restoration. But God says, you're not meant to stay in the harbour. You're meant for open sea. I love this quote. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, what exploits would we attempt if we never fail? What exploits would you attempt if you never fail? What's your wildest dream today? For your community, for your church, for your family, for your friends. I think God can do immensely more than we could possibly ask or imagine according to his powers that work in us. Nothing limits God except the level of faith in our heart. Next slide, please. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says this. For God did not give us a spirit of Spirit of power, love, and of self. God gave us a spirit of Greek dunamis, the, the dynamic, vibrant power of God. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you'll receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. There'll be a dynamic dimension to your spiritual life when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If we are just merely going through the routines of Christian living without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, we're missing the vital element to our Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, Do not get drunk on wine, but be filled continually, normally, habitually by the power of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Spirit is not just a one-off event. It is a continual inflowing of the life of Christ into our lives Transformers and to make them be men and women that God would have to be. See, dunamis is linked with the other Greek word, parousia, which means boldness. Are we bold people? Not bold, but are we bold people? Is there courage in our Christianity? Are we courageous about our faith? Are we full of faith 
do we share our faith with our friends with boldness or do we cowardly turn away? This is a play on words in the Greek. It talks about turning away from being cowardly, being courageous. Over the coffee table at work, the work canteen, when there's talk of issues, do you remain quiet or speak? Whenever the Holy Spirit comes upon us, he enables us to speak those words. Paul says, it's time to let cowardly notions in your head be broken off to come after about things. Next verse says, God has given us not a spirit of timidity, but of love. Love is the potential dynamic of our life. If what we do isn't motivated or driven or focused on love, it's just the work of that. Love has to be the, the catalyst for our heart. It has to be the, the guide for our actions and responses. If we're not acting out of love, then we miss the heart of God. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. When it comes to our lives, it enables us to love one And in the church context, you'll know the time when that love can wear bricks in. Because God transform us. Essential part of the That was the emphasis that Paul said to him. The Corinthians had all the gifts and all the power in the world. Had not. That's the balance between the spirit of power and the spirit of love. Because if you don't have love, everything you do is just like a sounding song. Sometimes love means. Lay aside what we want to take for others. Lay aside our agenda, our purpose. Next thing Paul says spirit of power, spirit of love, and spirit sound by self. What a great word that is. <laughs> you've got all the power in the world, not loving, and not self, then tends to go off track very, very quickly. Romans 12, verse 3 says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you all, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. In accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. To be of a sound mind means to think right of yourself. To think the right way about you. Sober judgment. Sometimes look in the mirror and we think we're just wonderful. Sometimes look in the mirror and we think we're just awful. It's what God thinks about Our uh, self-praise or this faith dominates. The faith is the, the catalyst to which we view ourselves. So just quickly, 1 Timothy 4, verse 13 to 16, you want to turn to that verse. 1 Timothy 4, verses 13 to 16. There are six areas in which Paul impresses upon 
Timothy to be self-controlled, self-disciplined. Verse 13 says, Timothy to be devoted to the public ministry of the word of God. It to be a devotion to public ministry. In other words, be wholeheartedly committed to the reading of God's word. Number two in verse 15, diligent. Be diligent in these things. Be diligent. Fully committed to God. Next one is give yourself wholly to them. Be dedicated to them. Verse 15. Give yourself wholly. That literally means in the Greek, be in them. <laughs> be completely in to Don't just be half in, half out, but give yourself fully, completely to God. Watch your life. Verse 16. Your daily life. Watch how you act and how you react in them situations. Let the, those things bring in alignment with the things of God. Watch your doctrine closely, verse 16, and persevere in them. Be determined to persevere. As Christians, we're called to live a narrow life, focused on the things of God. That our talk and our ministry has to be matched by our character. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 says this, Live a life worthy of the calling you receive. Live a life worthy of the calling you receive. The word worthy in Greek axios means to have the same weight out. In other words, let your walk match your talk. Let your calling match your character. Let what you are in secret the same as what you are in public. See, whenever we are not the same in private as we are in public, it becomes a a, a crisis of consciousness in our own lives. Because we know that when we are public, we're not the same as when we are in private. Therefore, it dispowers us, and it robs us of our power and our authority. We know that we're living a lie. It's important that we match our talk and our war. That what we are in private is the same as what we are in public. Amen? We need to strip ourselves of everything that hinders our lives. I think Paul says to Timothy, chapter 4, chapter 2, verse 4, no man that goes to war entangles himself in the affairs of the Don't get involved in the nonsense world. And my final point this morning as we draw to conclusion, stir up. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. Fan into flame the gift of God. It probably means in the Greek to rekindle a dormant fire. How's your heart today? Are you on fire for God? Is the fire burning in your heart? Are you passionate about Jesus? Or do you like going to church? Paul says, fan flame, quicken that vital flame in your heart. I just sense this morning, as we start a new year together as a church, that God wants to rekindle a fire in our heart. We've got a great year ahead of us. There are many challenges ahead, there are many blessings ahead, there are many battles ahead. But the one thing that will keep us on track isn't human effort, 
the Holy Spirit burning our hearts. Paul says, fan flame. Flame depends on oxygen burn. If you deprive a flame of oxygen, the flame will die. What are you feeding your spirit today? What are you pouring into your life today? Are you feeding your spirit with good things or with nothing? See, what you feed flourish, what you starve will suffocate. What you feed grows, and what you starve dies. That fire in my mother-in-law's house in Ireland, it needs constant attention to keep. And we assume that we just let the fire drift and drift and drift and we'll be okay. Let me tell you, my friends, sometimes we have to pay attention to the fire in our heart. Don't let anything come into our heart cause us to become lukewarm or cold. The tense of the verb quite interesting. It means to speak a progressive, continuous action of keeping stirring up and gift or keep on fanning flame in our heart. Not something to do once or twice, but feel action of God, feed me with your word, feed me with your fire, fuel into my life or I can burn. You know, Jesus says the parable about those foolish widows didn't keep their fire burning because they ran out of fuel. What are you fueling your life? Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, do not neglect the gift that God gives you the name of my hand. Maybe put your gift on the shelf. Maybe you put your gift to one side. You think, well, that was when I was younger. I'm now older. I missed my opportunity. I missed my chance. Maybe you've given up on your dreams in God today. Maybe you think it will never happen. Maybe you've lost your flame today. Maybe the opinions of men doused it and extinguished it. Maybe unbelief, maybe pride, maybe self-importance, maybe past failure. For some reason, that gift that God's given you has remained on the shelf, undisturbed for years, now covered in dust. But those prophecies are the key to your destiny. Those prophecies that God has spoken aren't just entertainment. They are the keys for your destiny. If you neglect those keys, you'll miss your destiny. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1 verse 18, I'm giving you this command in keeping with the prophecies once made about you so that by recalling them, you may fight the battle well. Paul says, these prophecies I've given to you are not ornaments for your mantelpiece. They're swords for the fight. They're not just things to keep you happy in the dark times. They are weapons of your warfare. But as you rehearse the prophecies of God over your life, they become weapons in your hand. Every time God spoke to me as a young man, every time a prophet came to town, every time God spoke to me through his word, I wrote down every prophecy that he made. Not so that I can feel good about myself, but I can have weapons to fight with. Because every time God speaks into our lives, 
the enemy comes against it with all his might and force. Every time God wants you to break into something new, then he will seek to ensnare you and entrap you. You need to, you need to warfare with your prophecies to see those things fulfilled. Anyone know what I'm talking about? You need to write them down. They're not ornaments for our mantelpiece. Swords. Write down every prophecy that's been given. Test it, weigh it, make sure it's from God. When you know it's from God, write it down. Say, God, this is your word spoken to my life, and I will hang on to it, and I will battle with it, and I will fight with it. Paul says that in that verse, you may fight the battle well. There's two words fight. One is maken, which means fight. The other one means to warfare. This prophecy wasn't just for fight. It covered every area of the soldier's military service, not just the fight. So the diet, the preparation, the planning, skill, everything needed to fight was enabled the prophecy to So often we focus on the battle, but there's so much more to Christian living than the battle. It's all the secret things, all the quiet things, all the diet, all the training, all the development, all the secret things in our lives that make us to be the men and women that God has called us. So this morning, we're going to have to come back. We're going to enjoy this bit of conclusion now, but I want to just say, fire burns down your life? Has the prophecy put on the shelf? Have you lost your confidence? Have you lost your love? Do you need the very start of this new year to say, God, I want to recommit my life back to you. I want to give my all to again. Don't want to hold anything back. As many played this morning, you really want to say, God, I want you to fan the flame of my heart. I want you to put your Holy Spirit upon my life and you today. What cause that flame wants to burn bright, burn bright again? I'm not going to call you out to the front this morning, but I'm going to actually respond to God. If as we play this final song, we want to respond to God, we want to give all over to you. Stand to your feet where you are. Make that covenant between you and God. God, I'm in. Not just partially in, but I'm in fully. I'm not loaded. I want to give my life to you. Holy Spirit of God. Just ask those who stand right now who want to make that dedication respond to God. Oh God, today we pray that the fire of heaven would fall again upon our life. Lord, we'll be transformed today from being lukewarm, mere embers that glow in the dark, to be people who are ablaze with a passion and fire for your name, oh God. 
God, today this world doesn't need lukewarm Christians. This world needs men and women who are on fire for God, who burn with a passion for Jesus. The people just see that fire burning in their hearts, Lord. So God, I pray right now, Holy Spirit of God, just come and touch each one of those who stand this morning. Let your presence and your power flow down even now, oh God. You'll rekindle the flame in our hearts. Every heart's become dull. Every heart's become dry. I pray that the fire will fall again in Jesus' name. Oh God. Jesus, Lord. Lord, we can't go on as we are. We can't just continue going through the same old, same old. What's more fresh in our heart now? It's a new year, it's a new season, and God, we need a new anointing from your Holy Spirit. We need new levels of your presence, new levels of your power, oh God. So we pray today in this place, you'd open the windows of heaven. You'll put your glory and your power and your presence in new ways, oh God. That today, oh God, we'll be transformed into being the people he wants to be, oh God. Oh God. May you fire fall, oh God. Where the Spirit of the Lord There is freedom If you're tired of you